My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're going to use our imagination and ask ourselves this question. What would the angel Gabriel say to us if he were in our presence right now, wherever you might be, if in that car that you're riding in today, if Gabriel were sitting next to you, what would he say to you about your situation or in that home you're in or in that hospital room? What would Gabriel, if the angel Gabriel could descend from heaven and physically be in your presence, what would he say to you right now? Well, I know one of the things he would say is this, it's never too late for God to do a miracle in your life. I want you to hear those words again and just let them pour over you whatever you might be going through at this time, physically, in a relationship, financially, at work. As you look out into your future, you say, man, my situation is hopeless. This mess I'm in is bleak. I want to say to you today, friend, as long as God is on his throne and as long as you still have breath in your body, it is never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life. And I pray that as you listen to this message today, you will be reminded of that truth and that you will be greatly encouraged. To the best of my knowledge, I have never seen an angel. And the reason I say to the best of my knowledge is the Bible says that sometimes we can be in the presence of an angel and not even know that they are an angel. In other words, sometimes an angel takes the appearance of a human being. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you an angel in disguise? Is that what you are? And now, now turn back to him and say, I didn't think so. <laughs> but angels are kind of like the police. They are here to protect and to serve. And it's interesting, as we study the life and ministry of Jesus, we find that angels played a significant role in his life. For example, when he was born, the angels were there in Bethlehem to worship him. After he had been tempted by the devil and resisted those temptations on three separate occasions, the Bible says the angels came and they ministered to Jesus. When Jesus was agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane about the cross and he was praying to God, the Bible says that an angel came right there into that garden and that angel strengthened Jesus. We know that after he had been buried and then on that first Easter Sunday morning, we know that angels came to the tomb and they were there to witness the resurrection. In fact, one angel rolled the stone away. We read in Acts chapter 1 that when Jesus returned to heaven that there were two angels on that mountain with those disciples and they were dressed in, in white clothing and they were watching Jesus go back up into heaven. And then we read in Scripture that one day when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, he will come with the angels. And so angels played a significant role in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Now, as we come into the Christmas season, we of course know that angels are all over the Christmas story. We read that an unnamed angel told Joseph that his fiancée Mary would soon be the mother of the Messiah. It was the angel Gabriel who said to Mary herself, 
you will have a son, and that son will be the Savior of the world. And so today, I want us to think about that part of the Christmas story. Now, you may be wondering as you think about angels, how many angels are there in the, in the world? How many in heaven and how many on earth? How many angels are there? We don't know the exact number of that. We read in Revelation chapter 5 that there are 10,000 times 10,000 angels. That comes up to 100 million. But then it says after that, and thousands of thousands. And so the scripture is saying to us, there are so many angels that it would not be possible for us to number them. It would not be possible for us to count them. A hundred million, and then on top of that, thousands of thousands. Now the interesting thing to me about that, of all those millions of angels, only four of them are named in the Bible. Did you know that? We only read the names of four angels in the Bible. Two of those angels or what I'll call bad angels, fallen angels. And two of those angels are good angels. The two bad angels that are named in the Bible, first of all, Lucifer. At one time, he was an angel. He was a chair. He was a, one of the cherubim up in heaven worshiping God. But it, pride got the best of him, and he wanted to, to challenge God. He wanted the worship that only uh, belonged to God. And so God cast the devil, right, or cast Lucifer, out of heaven, he became a fallen angel, and then he became the devil. Lucifer is one of the angels we read about in the Bible. The other angel that we might not be as familiar with, a bad angel, is an angel called Apollyon. That's his name in Greek. In Hebrew, the name is Abaddon, and it literally means destruction or destroyer. And we read in Revelation chapter 9 that in the end times, Apollyon will be the angel over the bottomless pit. And so he is another fallen angel. He's bad news. And he will be assigned to the bottomless pit as one of Satan's demons during the end times. Now, as far as the two good angels and the, other, the only other angels that are named in Scripture, one of them, of course, is the angel Michael. He's the archangel. And any time we read about Michael in the Bible, there's always a battle of some kind. There's always a fight to be had. And so Michael, is a, he's probably the chief angel in all of heaven's angelic army. And then the other angel, the good angel mentioned in the scripture, is the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel played a significant role in the Christmas story. So if you'll open your Bibles today, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. I want our focus today to be on the angel Gabriel. And as I've thought about this, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing today if Gabriel would descend from heaven and come to First Baptist Church in Pasadena, just like he went to Nazareth so long ago to tell Mary what was about to happen. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if Gabriel could be here and if Gabriel could be our preacher? I think it'd be, and I know some of you are thinking that sure would be a great thing. We sure don't have an angel up there right now, so we'd much rather trade you in for Gabriel. Well, I would rather trade myself in for Gabriel, because if Gabriel were here today, I think he would have as relevant of a message for us today in our time as he had back so long ago. And so the question I want us to think about, now you've got to kind of use your imagination on this today. What would Gabriel say to the First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, if he were our guest speaker 
here today. What do you think Gabriel would preach about? What would he have to say to us? Well, before we try to answer that question, what might Gabriel say, let's look in the Scripture and see what did Gabriel say. What was his message long ago? Luke chapter 1 in verse number 13. Now, I preached a whole sermon a couple of weeks ago about Gabriel's message to Zacharias. When Zacharias was in the temple, he was a priest, and he was serving the Lord in the temple. He and his wife Elizabeth were getting on up in years, well past childbearing age. They had never had any children, and yet that was the desire of their heart. And Gabriel comes to Zacharias in the temple, and look what he says, verse 13. The angel, this is Gabriel, he identifies himself a little bit later in the passage. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Talking about John the Baptist. And so Gabriel came to Zacharias and said, Even though it is physiologically and biologically impossible, God has noticed that your heart's desire, your wife Elizabeth's desire, is to have a child. And so God has chosen to answer that prayer, and you're going to have a son, and he will be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing that Gabriel said in this Christmas story. And so as we think about that, we think, okay, he told Zacharias that he and Elizabeth would have a son, even though they were much too old for that to happen. In light of that, what might Gabriel say to us today if he were here, if he were preaching to us today? What might he say? And here's what I believe Gabriel would say to us today. today. He would say, it's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life. It's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life. You see, the situation of Zacharias and Elizabeth was this. They were too old to have kids, and yet they wanted a child. And so they had a desire that, humanly speaking, could not be fulfilled. And yet when Gabriel came to Jerusalem, to the temple where Zacharias was, he said, in essence, Zacharias... We, God sees your desire. God knows it's not possible, humanly speaking, for that desire to ever come to pass. But God has decided to do a miracle in your life. He has decided that even in your old age, even in your wife's aging years, that you're about to become parents. And so the application of that for us today is simply this. All of us have situations in our lives that we look at and we say, this is impossible. There's no way that anything good could come out of this. Maybe in a, in a marriage situation or maybe in a financial or a health situation. Maybe in a work situation. Maybe in a, in a vocational. And we say, man, my situation is so hopeless. And it's been this way for so long. And I just don't think anything good can come out of this. Gabriel would say to you today, as you think about and contemplate your own life situation, it's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life. It doesn't matter how long you may have been in the situation that you're in. As I was preparing this sermon earlier in the week, I just jotted some thoughts down. Sometimes we think it's too late for us. It's too late for us to break an addiction. In other words, there may be people here today who are struggling with some type of an addiction, drugs, alcohol, and you think, man, I've had this addiction for so long, I think it's just become a part of me. 
And there's no way that I could ever break this addiction. I wish you could have all been here a few Sunday nights ago when I interviewed Bobby Grimes in our prayer and praise service. And he was so open and so honest as he always has been about the addictions he struggled with. And he said that night that for over 22 years, he had struggled with an addiction to drugs and alcohol. Over 22 years. The alcohol problem he shared started when he was 12 years of age. And the drug problem he shared that night started when he was a college, fine college athlete at the University of Houston. And for 22 years he struggled with that. And that, that addiction had become such a stronghold in his life and so powerful in his life that he had begun to think, I've had this so long. I've been like this so long. I guess I'm going to just be like this for the rest of my life. And yet he shared that night that one day, one night when he was driving down a major street there in Clear Lake, it's like God spoke to him and he just felt this presence come over him. And it was like the healing, cleansing bath from heaven from God. And he said immediately, desires for drugs and alcohol that he had had for over 22 years was lifted off of him and to the glory of God, he's not even had a desire for either one in that long, that period of time. It was a powerful testimony he gave that night. But as he was sharing that, I was sitting here interviewing him, just thinking about what he was saying, and I thought, it's never, friend, I want to say to you today, it's not too late for God to change your life, no matter what it might be. And that was the first thing, Bobby, that I wrote in my notes. It's never too late for God to break an addiction. Some of you today are saying, you know what? My problem is not drugs and alcohol. That's not my deal. My problem is depression. And I've been depressed for a long time. And I don't have any excitement. I don't have any enthusiasm. I'm not looking forward to my future. Life has become bland and life has become blah. And I'm saying to you today, depression is a real thing. I understand something about depression. But it's never too late for God to do something miraculous. And it may be this morning in, the, in, the, in this worship service that you've come to today. It may be today that God just lifts that heavy spirit of depression right off of you. And you walk out of here, walk out of here today with joy in your heart. Some of you today say, that's not really my problem. My problem is my life has no purpose. My life has no direction. I'm just floundering. I don't even know why I'm here. You know what it may be today in this service, during this sermon, that God reveals to you your purpose in life. Your first purpose is to know Christ. Your second purpose is to serve Christ. And it may be today that God reveals that to you and that somebody gets saved or that somebody surrenders their life to what God is leading them to do. God may reveal your, His purpose for you. Some today say, well, that's, it's not so much I don't know my purpose, but I just don't feel like my life amounts to anything. I just feel like I've been living all these years and my life doesn't count for God and so many other people seem to be doing more than I am. It may be today that God speaks to you on that point. Some today say, John, my main thing is I just, I'm not at peace. I don't have any, in my heart, I'm not peaceful. In my mind, I'm not at rest. I don't have freedom in my life. And I've been like this for a long time. Friend, I want to say to you today, it's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life. And today, He can easily give you that peace. I was thinking about several people in the Bible who had a situation, a serious problem, 
for many years and how it would have been so easy for them to have concluded, I've had this problem for so long. I've been like I am for so many years. It's probably always going to be like this. I think about a lady we read about in the Gospels who had a physical sickness for 12 years. And the Bible says she had been to the doctors and they had tried their best, but they had been unable to help her and all they had taken was her money. She didn't have any healing after those experiences with the doctor. 12 years had gone by and yet one day Jesus was passing through the town where she lived. And she said to herself, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And she just reached out and she touched the hem of his garment and immediately, and she felt it within herself, immediately that physical problem was gone and she was healed. Read about another lady in the Bible. This is Both of these you read about in the Gospels. This particular lady had been bent over, unable to stand up straight, For 18 years. Think about that. 18 years and she was like this. She couldn't even lift her back up. After 18 years, it would have been easy to conclude. She may have even concluded. I've been like this for so long. I haven't been able to stretch my back and stand up straight for nearly two decades. It's probably going to be like this for the rest of my life. And yet one day, she came into the presence of Jesus Christ. And Jesus spoke to her, and Jesus said to her, Woman, thou art loosed. And she, for the first time in 18 years, was able to stand up tall and stand up straight. But it would have been easy for her to thought, It's been like this for so long. It's going to be like this forever. And yet, just like that, Jesus healed her. Read about a man in the Bible who had been paralyzed. Now, think about this. For 38 years, 38 years, he had been paralyzed. It had been easy for him to think, 38 years, this is most of the majority of my life. I've not been able to walk. And yet, one day, he came into the presence of Jesus Christ. And what happened? Jesus healed him, and he took up his mat, and he was able to walk right out of town. I read about another man in the Bible who had been lame, think of this, for over 40 years. He had been lame for over 40 years, and it says in the Scripture, since the time he was born. So he had been lame his whole life. And yet one day, Peter and John walked by. This was in the book of Acts. And Peter and John spoke to him. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. After 40 years, that man, for the first time in his life, was able to walk. And so I'm saying to you today, it's never too late for God to do something miraculous in your life. You believe that? Say amen. Now, what that shouldn't do, what I've just said for the last few minutes, what that should do to each and every one of us here today, it should instill hope in us that it's not too late. No matter how long we've been like we are, no matter how long we've struggled with whatever we're struggling with, as long as God is on His throne, as long as our heart is still beating and we're still living, it's never too late. And that should give us hope. Now, I want to talk just for a moment about hope. Because hope is a very important thing. In fact, you can't live fully without hope. The Bible says when we lose hope, hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. And so if you lose hope, that's when people get depressed. They look out into the future and they have no hope. It's never going to change. It's been like this 12 years, 18 years, 38 years, 48 years. It's been like this so long, it's never going to change. And when you start thinking like that, you lose hope and you get depressed and bad things start happening in your life. And so God is the giver of hope. What is hope? Hope is faith 
in the present in the future tense. Faith in the future tense. In other words, faith is when we're trusting God right now. Hope is when we're trusting God for tomorrow or we're trusting God for next month or we're trusting God for our future in some way. Hope is faith in the future tense. And we all need hope. We all need hope that says, as I look out into the future, things are going to be better then than they are now. I'm going to have more peace in the future than I have right now. I'm going to have more courage. I'm going to have a better life in the future than I have right now. We need to have hope and look out into the future. Now, the problem that many of us make when it comes to hope is we know what I'm saying is true. We've got to have hope. And so a lot of times we put our hope in the wrong thing. Instead of simply putting our hope in God to give us a better future, to give us more peace, to give us more joy, to give us more freedom, many times a person will put his hope not in God, but in a, de- in a desired outcome. In a desired outcome. Now, we say, what do you mean putting hope in a desired outcome? Well, let's just play like this. Let's play like that you have a serious disease. And you think, man, I've had this disease a long time, and I, I, I may have this disease for the rest of my life. And so you hear a message on hope, and you say, you know what? God is able to heal me. I know God can heal me. I know God can deliver me from this. And so I believe, I have hope that one day God will heal me. Or maybe it's your spouse who has a disease, and you say, I'm believing, I'm hoping that God is going to heal my spouse, okay? Well, we know that God can heal your spouse or that God can heal you, and it's only natural if you're sick or someone you love is sick, it's only natural to hope and to pray and believe that you or they will get well. But what I'm saying is, if your hope is only in that, you don't have enough hope. You don't have the right kind of hope. You need a higher hope. You need a hope like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had when they were about to be thrown in that fiery furnace. And they said, we believe that the God we serve is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to stay faithful to him. We're going to trust him. We're going to be true to him. You see, they had a higher hope. If, you, if your hope is God is going to heal my spouse and your spouse dies, you're going to be devastated. Because you only had hope on a human level. You need a higher hope. Think about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. When they were in jail for their service of Jesus Christ. Their faithful witness of Jesus Christ had landed them in jail. And yet we read that at midnight with their hands bound and their feet in the stocks. That they were praising and singing hymns to God. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Paul and Silas wanted to get out of that jail. You believe they wanted to get out of that jail? Anybody wants to get out of jail, right? Do you believe they had the power? Do you believe they believed that God had the power to get them out of that jail? Absolutely. But see, here's the thing. Paul and Silas had a higher hope. Did they want out of the jail? Sure they wanted out of jail. Everybody in jail wants out of jail. And they believed God could get them out, but they had a higher hope. Their ultimate hope was not that God was going to get them out of the jail. Their hope was that God had joined them in the jail. And that's why they were singing and praising God. If their only hope would have been being delivered from the jail, they would have started singing and praising on the way out. 
But they were singing and praising while they were committed and bound to the jail. And so when it comes to hope, we don't just need to say, you know, my loved one is sick. I'm hoping she's going to get well. I've lost a job. I'm hoping I'm going to get a job. Well, sure, we hope for those. Who wouldn't hope for those things? But we have to have a higher hope. And the hope we need is not just a hope in a desired outcome, although naturally we do hope for that, but we hope we have a higher hope, and our hope is in God. Our hope says, I believe God can heal me. I'm asking God to heal me. I'm trusting God to heal me. But whether God heals me or whether God doesn't heal me, I'm still going to trust Him because one day when I get to heaven, I'll be permanently and completely healed. Well, there's no question that we all need hope. Hope is very important. Again, it says in the Bible, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we lose our hope, when we look out into the future and we have nothing to look forward to, it becomes a very discouraging and even depressing situation. But it is so important that we have our hope in God and not in a desired outcome. Because if our hope is in a desired outcome and the thing we're hoping for doesn't happen, then we're going to be in real trouble. But if our hope is in God, then no matter what happens, we say, you know what? God's in control. God's on his throne. God has a plan. God knows what he's up to in my life. And God's going to bring something fantastic uh, to me through this. And so, friend, I encourage you today, whatever you're facing, hope in God, trust in God, look to God, put it in God's hands. Tell him him that you're trusting him with your situation and he will fill your heart with his peace and with his grace. 